All right. You're ready. You're ready for this one. You're ready to actually kill complacency. You guys know that I am all about being a conduit, a converter of energy from comfort zones to ignite zones, from couches and complacent zones like Paul Huber talks about in his book to resurrecting ambition and maximizing your life. He is an author and he is just a good human and we just need good humans okay so you guys tune in to him go check out his book killing complacency it's going to break through conventional thinking so that you can find your success and true calling can i get an amen can i get an amen paul thank you for being here we're so grateful to you and i know that this is going to impact so many both women and men let's find out the x factor the x factor that so many people think are coming from somewhere in outer space it is actually something that you have access to what could it be what could it be he unpacks it here so tune in all right y'all chat soon this is your god wink the moment that heaven says for such a time as this it's time to own your joy prioritize your health discover your wealth and exude your wholeness it's time to become truly fit however this isn't a fitness podcast Though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist, this isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love whole foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering, if you're wondering, what is this? Well, this is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment. And to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. Welcome, welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. It's going to be amazing to get to know a new face, a new friend, again from Clubhouse. You guys, if you're not on Clubhouse or you have an Android, I'm sorry. But I get to meet amazing people like Paul on the daily. And so when I heard him speak, it was just one of those things where I'm like, yes, I need to know more. And so I know today is going to keep you as a cliffhanger as we dissect his book, Killing Complacency 
Um, when I was reading your bio, Paul, I mean, gosh, there's so much incredible technical background. Some things I'm like, holy cow, aerospace and defense companies and safety critical and computer systems. And I like tech, but that's like next level. But I love so much that you actually said it was less about the technical that were the challenges and more about the opposing forces of complacency and perfectionism. And I can totally relate to both of those things. So thank you for being here and excited to dive in. And I think we should just hear directly from you if there's any pieces that I missed. But specifically, let's jump into this complacency and perfectionism idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think there that's totally true. There are two opposing forces that some of us really want that perfectionism. And it, in engineering, it goes above and beyond. And to the extent where you need to have something that's good enough to sell, but you don't have to keep going at it until it's absolutely perfect. And it's that effort to to really figure out where you need to get to versus getting that perfection. And so a lot of times my coworkers will want to keep polishing something or keep making it perfect rather than just getting to done and getting on to the next thing. This is like every single conversation that I have with every client. Right. And they're like, I have this amazing idea. I want to bring it to life. And yet I need it to be perfect before that happens. But I don't believe that anything that's ever walked the earth has ever been perfect, except for at its genesis of creation and Jesus himself. And so people imperfectly were called all the time. Literally every disciple was called almost out of imperfection into a place of being able to follow along Christ and see how we can live our life more perfectly, but never perfect. And I think there's this fear zone that exists of a quality of less than, right? If I do this thing and it's not perfectly curated, especially in a technical realm, like it could blow up or the fire could start or whatever, like technical problems could happen. There could be glitches, right? Like um, what's that movie that's out with, uh, have you ever seen, do you have little kids? Let's talk about that. Do you have no, kids? they're, they're, they're big kids. 19. Okay. Okay. They're big kids. Well, there's this movie yeah. out called Wreck-It Ralph and there's this little girl and, and she has glitches all the time as she's talking because she's not connected to her truest sense of self based on something, a trauma that happened in her childhood. And I think that's the problem. I think the glitch is what's actually causing us to be at a place of mediocrity and a place of complacency. So talk us through where this concept was like originally deposited and, and how you, you kind of restored the idea. Mm -hmm. the, the real genesis of it was when I was reading the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, and she talked about the difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And I thought, man, how does that apply to our Christian faith? How does that apply to where we need to go as believers? And it, my, my attention turned to King David, and I saw a lot of preparation there that he had to go through. And I, I think sometimes we, we hope for the miracle and we want to get out there and slay the giant. But we forget that David had a long preparation phase. He was yeah. adept at killing at lions and bears. So you have to know that he started by working a slingshot and trying to kill shrubbery and, and a boulder nearby and, and just building that skill set until he was ready to take on the lion and the bear. And then he was ready to take on the giant. And I think people miss that progression a little bit. And so that was one of my concerns is how do we need to grow in our faith, grow in our ability and apply that growth mindset? And so, you know, you talked a little bit about having that perfectionism. And I think that's the flip, flip side of it. David hadn't 
had experience killing tens of giants. He hadn't had lots of experience there. He was ready to take on that challenge that was a little bit bigger than the lion or the bear. And frankly, a giant with a sword like 100 yards away or, you know, 20 feet away is far less scary than a lion to me. I, I'd rather have a, a gun, uh, effectively, is what he had to, to take on a guy with a, a little knife. And yeah, Goliath was big, but he was slow and not even easy moving. And so Malcolm Gladwell pointed out that Goliath or uh, David brought a gun to a knife fight. And really, that, that's part of what we need to do is mm. we need to prepare that level of ability to bring that next level weapon, that next level capability, if you will, to the challenge that we have. Instead of saying, well, I'm, I'm going to wait for something to happen. I'm going to pray that something happens. Well, work in the preparation, work in that preparing phase. So talk me through like that, that process, right? Obviously understanding that there's preparation that happened on the back end. A lot of what happens, especially if you're about to bring a business to life or do something out in the public eye, there's been probably years that have led into this moment, right? Just like it was Mm -hmm. with David's story, which is a perfect case and analogy. And so you're now like on this line, right? This line between this is what happened in the dark and this is what's going to happen in the light and everybody is going to see, right? Whether he failed or whether he got to show God's glory in his process of becoming and throwing that, you're using that gun, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. in the way you, you did. Right. How, how do we get past that point? How do we move through the threshold of this is the past that was done in secrecy and now this is it? What, how are you preparing and what weapons are we, are we forging in that process? Yeah, one, one thing I like to think of is scientists did an experiment and they figured out that a domino can topple something that's 1.5 times its size. So if you just think of that next challenge as something that's 10% harder, 50% harder than what you've done before and been able to prove out, then you're, I think you're ready to, to try that next thing. And so it's maybe Ill, ill-advised to go after a, a giant or something if you haven't tried taking out the lion and the bear. It's ill-advised to do something 10x harder than what you've done before. But if you can take those incremental steps and, and learn along the way and understand that you've done that preparation, you've done your homework, and then you're ready to go out and, and to do the, the thing in public. I think there's a lot of grace in that conversation and that and that analogy because we do we err on the side of perfection. We err on what has been done or what has been showcased, right? Like I have this desire to be on stages and interview people like yourself, it, like Oprah, right? And if I was to say, okay, I want to be like Oprah. I am like, holy cow, that feels like a lot. Like she has a magazine and a TV show and a whole conglomeration and billions of dollars. And she, right, all the things that she does. Mm -hmm. But she didn't start like that. She started small and every single day she said yes to a new opportunity or an opportunity that wasn't actually there and she pushed the door open. And so understanding one, that there's a whole journey, but this 10% concept or this one and a half times the domino, um, I've been told of a 10%, I believe it was by Brendan Bouchard. He's like, you only have to know 10% more than the person that you're teaching, right? Because that 10% is what gives them the accessibility to step into that next zone for themselves. You're giving them and armoring them with a new weapon so that they then can topple the next domino. So I love that there's there's grace in that, there's peace in that, there's a little bit of rest in that. And so what's what's the next thing? Like unpack a bit more about this idea for us. I think really one of the fundamental things is that 
so many people in society today think that someone's against them and that there are so many people against them that they can't succeed. But I think the reality is there are plenty of people for you. Even if there's one or two people against you or a handful against um, your demographic or whatever, there's still that opportunity to succeed and there's still opportunity to find people to help you. And so the, the first step is really understanding how it is that you can succeed. Where's that path? It might not be through that person that opposes you, but there may be someone else who can help you. And I think there's plenty of help out there today. There's plenty of opportunity. And so the first thing that people really need to do is realize that there is opportunity and that they need to, to follow that. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you feel like in the midst of your career, this idea was like continually simmering or was there like a finite thing that occurred that you were like, I need to share this, this revelation? It, the, the thing that happened was I, I started, I did this one page Bible study for the guys at church and put it together, shared it a little bit, talked about it a little bit. And I wasn't satisfied. I, I just completed an MBA and I'm like, well, I know that the best way to, to really figure out what you're thinking is to get it down on paper. And so I, I started writing stuff out and I was at 10 or 20 pages or something. And, and before long, I, I had an outline for a book. I'm like, oh, so I, I guess I have to go do this <laughs> just because <laughs> it, it felt like that was that calling. That was that next thing that I needed to do and to That's be able really to, cool. to share this message. And, and it wasn't really about things that I had accomplished. It was what I had seen other people do mm -hmm. and the clues that other people's success had left out there for me to see and to understand what that opportunity is and how people can move forward. I think that concept of clues is something that's been newly deposited into me as well as this knowing that success leaves clues. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? I need to unpack this more. And so if there's a blueprint to what Oprah has done, right, don't I want to follow it? And and just in my own unique way, in my own unique God calling, because he's going to do different things than he did in her scenario or any scenario. And I keep going back to Oprah. It's only because I did my wealth dynamics test recently and I'm a star like she is. And so she's in my brain. I don't want to be just like Oprah. I want to be just like me. But this understanding that, we, we have blueprints, there are clues. And so oftentimes on that threshold experience that I was talking about earlier, people are like, oh, I don't know where to go. I don't know what, what's the next best thing. And I'm like, well, you know, there are resources, just like you said, there are people who are for you, who are ready to see you fly and run past, right? And Clubhouse specifically in relationships like this, they, there are people willing to turn around and not just like help you to where they are, but like catapult you up front. And so in your book writing experience and with the partnerships and, and people that you, who are in your repertoire, how has that um, kind of shifted your career path or even mindset towards what you do on a regular basis? It's made my career path really tough. I've got my W-2 job during the day and then before work, after work, on weekends, I'm trying to, to get the word out and talk to people about my book and get those marketing opportunities. And I'm real excited. I'm going to be at a men's conference in a week and a half or so. And, you know, it's the first time since the pandemic that the conference has happened that we were able to get out and talk to people. And, and so it's real exciting to, to be with kind of my target audience and be with the guys that would want to bring others in. Because I, I think a lot of people that maybe experience complacency don't have that drive enough to, to pick up the book. So 
if you're involved in a church group, if you're involved in something else, there's something out there that, hey, I'm having this study. Come, come work with me. Come understand what's in this book and understand what God's calling us to do. And it's not waiting for him to, to push you into an area. You're not, it's unlikely that you're going to have the experience that Jonah had. So what is it that you yeah. need to have? Right. I mean, it, I, I haven't heard of anything since then. So, uh, you know, what, what is it that you need to do? And it, it's really an act, uh, a lifestyle of being active and pressing forward. Mm. Paul talked about being content, but he also talked about pressing forward. And that, that that's really another dynamic or dichotomy that we have to navigate is what is, where do I need to be content and where do I need to, to press forward? Because it, like I talked about the growth mindset, applying that is how do I do that thing that's maybe 10% tougher than what I've done before? Where's that next area that I need to go into? How do I prepare for that? And there, there's work to be done. There's effort that needs to be expended. And it's not just waiting for that to be imparted on you. It's that active effort to get better at what you're doing. I love this. And and I know your target audience is men and there's, I have plenty of men on my podcast and I love that I've evolved into that space. Sometimes when I was more, I'm like, where are my girls at? Like I, I have just been really um, able to showcase a lot of men's work, but I feel like this is really a conversation that women also really need to hear. And I, I think about these women that I have the gift of working with and it, it's really this teeter-tottering, not just in the concept of perfectionism, but this content of contentment. And it's paralleled with this content, this concept of success, right? And if I'm pursuing, if I'm moving forward, if I'm pressing forward, am I releasing an, a zone of contentment or am I pressing towards further contentment? And when you talk about a dream and you talk about an idea and you talk about a calling, right? The, the thought is that God would implant something good, something bigger beyond our means, because that's what he does. Because if it was small and it was in, it was in our reach, we wouldn't have to rely on him. Right. And so pressing forward is, is scary. Pressing forward is hard. Pressing forward does have failure opportunities so that we can become more and become better. But I'm curious, I think, from your your examples and you specifically said say about the book is there's not some X factor from God. It's not the universe and it's not luck um, that the successful have learned contentment without the complacency and contentment. As you said that, I'm like, gosh, I don't know that I've ever really rested with that word. Am I content was what was going through my head as you were saying that and I think the word I've always used is this understanding of alignment and instead of balance, which is what a lot of people are like, oh, I need a work-life balance. It's like, yeah, that's not really a real thing. So let's talk about contentment and what satisfies you, what satisfies your soul. And through contentment, my analogy would really be, or my synonymous word would be alignment. And knowing when I'm vertically aligned, I can horizontally serve. And that's when I'm most content because there's ever flow of like Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, my family, my foundation, um, everything that I believe in while also activating in the kingdom, which is the pressing forward moment. All right, quick pause. I love that you're tuning into this show. Really, your shares, your subscribes and reviews, even your listens mean a ton to me personally and honestly to all of us who put these shows out weekly for your listening pleasure. But are you ready? I think it's time that I put you in the hot seat for a question. 
If you're resonating with all of these multi-passionate, God-loving success stories, then I bet you have one of your own. Maybe you're even in the midst of that comeback. Regardless, there is a deeper message inside of you. I am sure of it. It's your why factor for living life. So here's the question. Why not turn that mess into a message by starting a podcast of your very own? It's time for you to amplify. And since I've been podcasting for a couple years now and I've trained dozens of shows into launch, I've also hit top of the charts across the globe. Why would you want to learn from anybody else? I'm also pretty fun. And so is my team. And we've put together this e-course. And don't stop here. Don't fast forward. Hold up. I know you're thinking e-course, me course. Everybody's got a course. But this one is truly as good as it gets. I give you behind the scenes, step by steps. My team is screen sharing exactly what they do post-processing. There are video modules and a workbook. Plus, we offer direct group coaching with us. No videos, us live in action. Let's create that human to human connection. So really, there's nothing like it. I would encourage you to go check out tamraandress.com and check out the course tab. Once you get there, there's even a free mini course option if you want to see the behind the scenes and not really take my word for it. So you should take my word for it. You're here listening to me right now. So I appreciate you. We love you. We encourage you. But girl, boy, man, woman, father, dog, whatever, (laughs) it's time for you to amplify. All right. Now let's get back to the show. So what would you say about this idea of like contentment versus pressing forward and also not the verses, but instead the parallel? Right. And I, I love your term alignment because someone may dream of being in the NBA, but if your stature is more aligned with being a horse jockey, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. call enough. You're not going to have the weight. Uh, so, I mean, you, you can, you can wish that you would be able to, to be different, uh, but it's not going to happen. And I'm, I'm I'm over 30 uh, significantly. So I'm I'm not going to be in the NBA. I'm under six foot. So I'm not going to be in the NBA. I I may desire to have that lifestyle, be able to to make big money in that way, but I have to be content with how I made, but I don't have to be complacent with how I am today. Mm -hmm. If I, if I want to do something more, something better, or to achieve that next level, I need to not be content or complacent with where I am. I need to say, what's what's aligned with the abilities that I have, the experience that I have, and how can I move that forward in, instead of staying where I'm at? Yeah, and, that's and that. I think so many people forget mindset, that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and I think they do. And I don't. Do you have you did did you do any research about like? why? Like, what's the limiting belief in that? Um, I know we could probably come up with a thousand, but when you were doing and creating your actual book, like, tell me what was that process like? Yeah. So there, there were a few things I saw. One of them is it it seems that people don't really expect that there's that abundance out there available to them. They, They have this limited mindset of there's not enough money in the world. I need to not take more than I should. You know, some people have an unfair advantage or what have you, but the reality is the more value that you can create, the more money you can have. So if you can find a way to produce value and to do it highly effectively, then you can get that big reward. And if you can, if not, then you're not going to get that big reward. So, it, and, and it's really overcoming some of that envy that you have of other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the, the Bible says to, to not covet your neighbor, his wife, his 
his ass, his wife's assets, you know, don't cover, covet what they have. And it, it's not just so you don't go, you know, commit adultery or steal or whatever. It's so that you can believe that something like that can be yours. Uh, obviously, you can't have his wife, but you could you could get to a place where you could have uh, the, the wife you desire or, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to be worthy of something that that your neighbor has that you would like to have also. And so it's really getting to that place where you can have that value to be able to produce things that you need to in, yeah, instead of saying, yeah. And it, I, I just think it just, it sets up kind of this um, cognitive dissonance that keeps you away from feeling that you can achieve something or that you deserve it because you don't believe others deserve it. That's so good. And I'm just thinking through this idea of like contentment versus comparison and when you're in a mode of comparison, uh, there's there's a striving that then ends up following suit, which then leaves you out of your alignment or in, out of your place of contentment, and therefore generally outside of your calling because you're you're comparing yourself and your calling and where you're you're currently at to somebody else who might be the ten percent ahead of you. Or now at this point, they're 50% ahead of you and you're actually backwards because you're you're trying to follow suit with somebody who's actually not even supposed to be who you're following, right? We're supposed to follow Jesus. Yeah, and, and you can you can learn from the clues that other people's success has, but you can't use the same formula. That one's taken, right? So you have to find something that aligns with you and that, you know, you have to have this uh, trajectory towards success and work towards it and understand, yeah, failure is going to come along the way. Challenges are going to come along the way. And maybe you're going to figure out that you weren't exactly where you needed to be. But working towards that and always working towards success, I think really helps people understand it's not overnight. It, it takes effort. And you have to to believe you, you can and to work in that alignment. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's I mean, there's so much grit that comes alongside it. And right. and we're in the breakfast of champions. So we hear, you know, the rise and grind. Right. And and I've always been anti like hustle, like hustle mode, even when people are like, oh, you're so busy. I'm like, no, no, I am intentional. I'm not busy. I'm intentional. I know that I have a lot on my schedule, but I'm intentional with my time. And in that time, intentionality aligned and content in that. Right. I'm trying to make mm-hmm. the most of all the sectors of my passion and my placement here on earth. And so um, I guess my, my curiosity as you're kind of in not necessarily limbo, I don't know if your full-time passion is to go into either more writing or speaking or staying in the full-time job that you're in. Do you feel contentment with your current season? I, I, I feel a little uneasy. I, I want to continue pursuing getting the book out there, getting programs out there to, to really help more and more people. And so I feel that pull, but I don't feel like I'm ready to, to pull the ripcord or, or make the full-time jump. So yeah. it, it's really a challenge right now. And then how do I go even apply some of the principles at my own job and at my own work so that I can make the people around me better and really help them to succeed as well? So what like strategies, right? Like if somebody is in this process um, and they're looking to to grow themselves, to say yes to this next opportunity to grow into the one and a half percent larger than life, right? The process. Um, what are the some strategies that you would teach if you were you were training? One of the first things is really finding that definite purpose and understanding what, you know, maybe your purpose today is different than your purpose tomorrow. 
So what is it that your purpose is today and where is that next step taking you? If, if you look at David, his, his purpose one day was to kill the giant or, or even before that, to, to tend the sheep, to kill the giant um, to and, and then eventually to become king. And, yeah. and so he had to work through those phases. So what are the phases that you're looking at and what is that overall purpose for your life and where is it that you want to head? Because when you when you figure out where you're going, you can start compounding all of the effort into that area. And if you want to be a public speaker, you say, oh, man, maybe I should work on being able to, to put a speech together well. And maybe I should work on, you know, the voice that I have as I go do that speech. <clears throat> and so you can if you have that end goal and that end in mind and that purpose for your life, then you can continually work towards how, how is it that I can fulfill that purpose? This is really interesting because did, did, and I'm asking a question because I can't think, mm -hmm. and um, did David have vision of himself being a king at any point? You, you know, you I know? think he was, he was, um, he was anointed at a very young age. And yeah. he knew that that was coming, but he didn't know how. And he wanted okay. to, to really honor the, the existing king, even though he'd all, Saul had already fallen out of favor with God. And so, you know, he had to continually pursue that. And as he was uh, moving towards that, he had a lot of time in Saul's court as playing the harp and things like that, being able to comfort him as, as he was afflicted. And so he had experience there seeing how the court operated, seeing what happened around the king. And then he spent time as a, a general and a leader of the army. And so he was spending a lot of time preparing for the the things that he would need to do as king, even before he got that responsibility. I mean, you're talking so much to this idea of mentorship, of of coming underneath people and actually learning and being trained and and really leaning into that uh, programming that needs to happen before the activation of the dream of the vision. And I think what often happens and where that complacency can happen is that the vision that God gifts, whether through dream, um, I was just on a really cool call and a guy was talking about um, a deposit he received in the middle of the night, like it's 3 a.m., like spiritual time that God comes to a lot of people. I guess I didn't know that that was a coincidental thing, but it's when we are most quiet. And so he's going to prompt you. He's going to wake you up so you can actually hear. And he did this to me for uh, over a decade. And I totally ignored it because I was just utilizing suppression, me suppression mechanisms when I was prompted to wake up by him and going back to sleep. And the understanding that if we actually tune ourselves in and he gives us these big grandiose ideas and visions, you still can't like wake up the next day. And he's like, Ah, here's how it happens, right? Like there's right. so much more that has to happen. And we aren't even in our own capability at that point to say fully, yeah, I want to do that tomorrow. Because people often are like, I have these amazing business ideas. I have this dream. I want to affect millions and I want to make millions, right? And I love that. I want right. people to have abundance. I want good money going into good hands so they can do good work in the world. But are you ready for that? Are your finances aligned? Have you been tithing? Are you trustworthy enough for God to give you the huge thing that he's promised you? Are you prepared? And it, it ultimately goes back to that. And what happens is because people aren't seeing the dream come to fruition because God promised, but God gave me this thing, but it's not happening. Like, well, what have you done 
to get to that place, to get to that zone where he's like, mm-hmm, this is the unlock. This is the time. Right. And so it's just a, it's a really amazing concept. And the becoming, which is, I always say we're all always becoming that becoming process is what we need to invest in, not the end goal. Because the becoming process, even whether you're thinking at it from a business perspective, if you're thinking of it as a parent, right, train them up in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from it. Well, I can't just like throw the Bible over my kid's head and be like, oh, the words are in his body. It doesn't work like that. I've got to teach him. I have to example it. It's caught, not taught, right? So just understanding the, the process of all of these things, I think, is bigger than what people give it credit to. And expectations come into play. So how would you say like expectations versus activation kind of hinders people? Yeah. And I I think a lot of people hope that, Hey, I'm just going to go do something and I'm going to get better at it, or I'm just going to go try something. And, you know, it's the direction I feel called in. Hopefully it goes okay. But there's a lot of prep work that goes in there. And, And kind of the last concept that I wanted to cover was, the idea of deliberate practice. And so mm-hmm. to, to get to that end goal, to be able to be good at what you want to do, it, it takes um, not just grinding away, not just like if you want to be good at golf, you can't go to the driving range and get a bucket of balls and just whack, whack, whack. You need some coaching. You need some feedback. You need to, to actually look at what you just did. You hit the ball and where did it go? Did it feel right? Do I need to make an adjustment? Do I need to do something different? It helps if you have a, a pro behind you filming you and he says, well, you need to swing your club differently like this or like that. And and then practice what he's he's taught you to do. And so it, it's not, you know, just grinding away. It is saying, hey, I want to get better. I'm going to try something a little bit harder than what I've done before and, and move forward and get that feedback. And if someone's 10 percent ahead of you, then they're able to say, hey, do this or do that differently and, yeah. and get to a point where you are that 10% better and you have to go find that next coach and I'll get you the, the next 10% or the next 20%. Yeah, I think that's critical information and to realize like you don't want to necessarily go after the coach that is like, you know, bajillion dollars and way ahead of you and has, you know, a 12 figure business, which everybody on Clubhouse does nowadays, right? Like I have a 12 figure business and I have all of this real estate and I'm like, can I be your friend? I just want to borrow a house real quick. But the recognition that if I was to go there right now and say, hey, will you mentor me? One, it's going to be at least six figures to be mentored by them. And two, what they're teaching me, I'm probably not able to receive. I'm not there yet. And so looking for those coaches that are there to partner with you, like are willing to link arms. And I say this all the time about my clients, like I'm, I'm right here and I'm going to be completely transparent about the steps that I've taken that haven't worked and the steps that I'm taking right now that are working. And let's do this and be in the process together. Now, of course, you want there to be some legitimacy to them being a bit ahead of you and what they're ahead of you in. Make sure it's aligned with where you intend to go. Um, but I think that that's a really critical component is to know that mentorship never goes away. It's something that we step into season by season. And the golf analogy is so good. Um, my dad was a, is a golfer and uh, taught us very young. And so, I mean, literally the tiniest moves, like pivotal hip changes, where your toe is, what direction your eyes are looking, your shoulder stance, your thumb placement. I mean, there's just a thousand things happening at one given time. And people are like, oh, I can play golf. I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> True. You're like, there's a lot more to it than that. And that's right. life. 
right? So last night I had this awesome opportunity to speak um, and teach around organization and like hiring a VA in a group of a bunch of speakers. So people who are utilizing their stories and they're bringing them to the market and they want to be speaking on global stages eventually. And so I'm teaching about organization and I'm showing them my my agenda and my mit list, which is your most important task list and how I keep track on a weekly basis and what systems I use and all this stuff. And some of the people are like, I'll never do that. And I'm like, well, I'm not teaching you to be like me. I'm hoping that you're picking up a couple of things that work for you. But I will tell you, if you're trying to speak on global stages and you're not doing any of this, you can't do it in your head. You will miss something. There will be a misstep. There will be holes and you will get burnt out because you're doing something that your brain doesn't need to do when it could be visibly in front of you. And I think that that's life. Right. I mean, I couldn't do so much of what I've done as a mother without my mom. Right. And so mentorship looks different in different realms of your life. I couldn't I wouldn't have ever learned how to be a personal trainer if my dad wasn't my personal trainer. I couldn't have done backflips and gymnastics if I didn't have a coach. And I couldn't definitely be where I am in this state of alignment without my therapist and my pastors. Right. There's like always mentors. But people have this weird connotation when it comes to things that cost more money than they're used to or is getting them past that threshold. And I am so curious what that unlock is towards the money mindset in growth mindset. Do you have any suggestions or ideas around that? I, I think the unlock is viewing money as, as a tool versus something that um, that you're lacking or that you want more of or or it, it's it, it leads to evil, right? And it's really the love of money over other things that leads to the evil. If if you love people and you want to help people in a way that gets you a good return, then that will bring money your way. And then you can go use that to help either help people in, a, in yet another way, either through charity or supporting them or by hiring someone to, to do more work and, and so that you can be able to be more efficient and more effective. And so so just really looking at it as it's not good or bad. It's just how you interact with it. That's good or bad. That's really awesome. And it's, you know, it's a resource looking at it from that perspective. It's just a tan, like a tangible, it's not anything Mm -hmm. that's like heart, right? Like there's so much more qualities in the growth mindset that come alongside developing than there is the monetary need. Um, And so there's, I think that's a really key piece. I had one final question for you. And of course, when I open, open the mic to anything else, you feel the urge to share when, um, because I speak often to entrepreneurs, but I also speak often to entrepreneurs who are doing something similar to you where they're still working their full-time position, one, either out of passion or two, out of making ends meet. And they have this other thing happening on the side or not at all. Maybe they just like to to their position, teachers, right? Like they do hard, good, amazing work in the world. What do you say to the person who who might be finding complacency in their typical nine to five? Uh, I, I would say that um, part of it is just value what you're doing in your nine to five, right? And And understand that if someone's paying you to do it, the world values it. And I think a lot of people get pulled off track by celebrities and others saying, hey, go follow your passion, go do something that will change the world. Well, a lot of what the world needs and, and the change they need are, are just people that are, are good at what they do and that they'll put in the hours, that they'll put in the effort, that they'll per, you know continue to progress in their career and get better mm-hmm. at what they're doing. 
And so I think a lot of us have been encouraged to dislike that nine to five. And really, I, I love my day job. I, if, if I could do more of it, if it would pay me more and, and you know, had, I, that'd be great. Uh, but I, I also feel this other pull. And so, you know, it's just trying to figure out, are you feeling pulled somewhere else or are you just, have you just been taught to dislike where you're at because yeah. oh, it's just a normal job. And I, I love the work that Mike Rowe does to really bring light to the dirty jobs and the people that really um, put in the hard labor and, and get things done because they're valued and they're, what they do is useful. And so I, I think we should stop devaluing that and, and start looking at it as another way to meet the, the needs of those around us. And yeah, that's know. really good. And I, I think in that value statement, if you're getting paid to do it, there is value in it and you are valuable. I love that statement that you said. And mm-hmm. for some reason, the analogy that came to mind was my dog groomer. This <laughs> is so strange. But as you were saying that her face popped into my head and I was just thinking how incredibly passionate she is about what she does. She absolutely loves it. I don't want to do it. It's not my passion, but she teaches me every time I'm in there. She taught me about this like flea collar thing. And she knew every granular detail. She knew that we're like crunchy people and that we wouldn't want to give our dogs like meds all the time. And I mean, just so much passion. Every time I talk to her, I'm enamored by it. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm so grateful for you. And yet they get paid a certain amount, right? Which is probably similar to teachers. I'm so grateful for my kids' teachers. And I wish that they made double what they do, triple what they do, quadruple what they do, right? And so the advocacy comes then less about the complacency and more about us valuing them beyond the valuation of the dollar sign. Because when I see her, because of her passion and her love for my dogs, I want to do more for her than what the dollar sign says. Right. And this is a this is a contended effort, again, when you're linking arms with people who you value and who value what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that people kind of confuse their their value as a person with what they get paid. Right. It, the What you get paid reflects the value of your skills and the value of the job that you're doing. And so, you know, that that's one value. But the value of you as a person is it's really infinite and it's really much more than what you get paid. And so yeah. no one can really get paid what they're worth. They get paid what their skills are worth and what they're able mm-hmm. to do. And so if you so want to change good. what you get paid, you have to be change what you're able to do and yeah. how much you're able to help others. This is so good and such a good conversation. We talked about equity and equality earlier in a conversation um, on Clubhouse too. And it was incredible to think about this analogy of like, I work just as hard as the person who is at McDonald's working, right? Well, the person who we equally are working on the same playing field. I work just as hard as the trash man. I work just as hard as the person who cleans out our trash cans here at the end of the day, as much as the teacher, as whoever you want to use the analogy of, as much as the person who's doing the dog grooming, right? But there's this valuation exchange that's happening that has differentiating factors, but that doesn't mean that what they do or who they are is less than me. It's not at, at all. Like, again, we're equally valued. We're equally loved through the lens of our father. And if we can come to him in that presentation, it's like, what am I made for? What am I made for? What am I made for? And slowly but surely in the process, he will reveal those things. But if you become complacent in the fact that I'm only as good as this one thing, whether it's a nine to five or it's a side hustle or it's a full time business, I don't really think that part matters. 
I think what matters is your contentment, which is what it goes back to what you said at the very beginning. Yeah. And, and it's having that alignment with how you're made and mm-hmm. not resting in where you are today, but having that vision for the future and taking the action that that's needed to get there. So good. So good. Paul, I want everybody to get their hands on this book. Is it on Audible? Because I'm an Audible listener. It's not on Audible yet. Okay. Yeah. I like that though. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. is a good answer. I like that a lot. And how about what um, areas of social media, how can they reach out to you if they wanted you to come to their, um, their churches or their communities or their businesses? How can they get you? So my website's pauljhuber.com. And you can go on there. There's a resources tab. You can request a lot of what I talked to today is going through this thing that I call the, the killing complacency momentum building model. And so you can go on my website. You can request that from the resources tab. Uh, bottom of the front page is the, the Bible study that I talked about. There's a link for that, too. And the book's on Amazon. And so it's it's available you know, physical or or as Kindle. And so it's out there and available and I'd love to hear from people. You know, so there should be a contact form on my website. Just click on that, send me a message. Tell me what you thought about today. Uh, there's links to all my social media. Uh, generally I'm, I'm Paul J Huber on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn. I'm one Paul J Huber. So it, it's pretty easy to find me. And if you go on my website, all those links are there. You can just, Go go do that and, and follow up that way. Really exciting. I I can I don't know. This is really really funny for you because I don't know if you're on TikTok or not, but I could totally imagine you doing like this whole idea of killing complacency. And I don't even know if you're like have a sense of humor, but in really funny goofy videos about how we do this every single day. And complacency looks so different to everyone, but you could go viral, man. I I could see it. Maybe I my my. <laughs> My kids all tell me how bad my dad jokes are. There you go. There you go. Like kill complacency with your bad dad jokes. I love it. (laughs) Really, really cool. Paul, it was such an honor. I appreciate you so much. And I love all of the biblical examples that you tied together. It just makes me um, understand and value the process that much more. I never really thought about it from David in the preparation. Yes, but the process, maybe not as much. So um, such a value add. I'm excited to get my hands on the book. And I think my husband's really going to love it too. (laughs) Sounds great. All right, friends. Likewise, have a blessed day. Thanks for listening, y'all. And tune in to all things Paul J. Huber. See ya. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time.
Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of Million Praying Moms, and I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's Word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's Word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.